Well, good morning, Gateway Church. Happy Father's Day. Um, as I was planning this message, uh, I was listening to a few different things and talking about dads. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was on a Monday morning last Monday, and uh, I realized it was my father's 86th birthday. And my father's passed away three or four years ago. And so I got a little sentimental and I thought about some of the things that he taught me. And I thought, some of it was fun, some of it was very serious, some of it I keep to this day. And I thought, what am I teaching my kids? So I brought my two daughters up here today. This is Olivia and this is Isabel. And um, I'm excited to share with you some of the things that I'm teaching them. We all have phrases, Dad, that we use with our kids, right? Some of them you realize that you use and some you don't realize that you use, but they hear them. So as you go home today, dads, with kids in your car, you might want to recite some of those phrases that you use with your kids. So for instance, I went home and I said, girls, would you help me with this? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I gave them the first phrase, because I, I use this one a lot, and then they kind of added to that. So Olivia, share with us the first phrase that your father uses. I kind of get I kind of get this one a lot, but that's okay. Um, it's, you always pay for your education. You always pay for your education. Sometimes we pay when we go to college, but sometimes we pay when we do things wrong. And um, uh, my friend Terry isn't here. Terry Esterson was cutting wood with a saw the other day, and he cut off three of his fingers. He paid for his education, Right? I use that one a lot when they, they kind of do crazy things and I remind them that it's all part of education and it's not always free. All right, what's another one? When the mind is weak, the body suffers. When the mind is weak, the body suffers. Interesting principle from the Old Testament about men. And the, the principle was about armor bearers. And I'll read to you 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14 through 23. That's the first passage I want to read. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, Tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music, and you'll soon be well again. All right, Saul said, Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's son from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Man, we can't do this father thing alone. We need armor bearers along the way. We need guys to help us. People who comfort us 
when life throws us a curveball. If you think back on Saul's life, remember when he was first asked to be king? He was shy. He tried to hide. He wasn't very confident in who God made him. He didn't want any part of the limelight. I think that's probably part of the tormenting spirit that Saul faced. He felt inadequate to do the job that God had called him to do. How many times do we as dads feel inadequate to do the job God's called us to do? Does that mean we try harder? No, I think we need to find an armor bearer. Saul found an armor bearer in David. And David played the harp and it was soothing music. And if you was stressed and he was confused and he was worried about not being a good leader, the strong leader that he needed to be, that music was calming to him. It had nothing to do with carrying a spear or a sword, but it had everything to do with helping Saul succeed at the task that God had given him. Guys, we need an armor bearer. Find a trusted friend that you can lean on when things get difficult in your life. I got another passage for us to read. 1 Samuel chapter 14. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his, say it with me, armor bearer killed those who came behind him. Jonathan felt called from the Lord to go up on the hillside and to attack the Philistines by himself with his armor bearer. And he got confirmation from God if you read the rest of that, that chapter. But isn't it interesting, Jonathan's armor bearer wasn't in front of him. When they climbed up that hill, Jonathan was leading the way, and what was his armor bearer doing? You ever heard the phrase, I got your back? Guys, we need armor bearers behind us as well to protect us. It's a significant act and something every dad, every person in this room needs. We aren't usually fighting for our lives like Jonathan was. Like, I got a spear in my hand and if somebody doesn't protect me, I'm going to die. But at times we fight for our dignity and we fight for our reputation as men. You need to have an armor bearer that's going to protect you when those darts come against you. You need a trusted friend. It's part of being a good dad. Well, I got another verse of scripture for us as well. This is very interesting. The Philistines now mustered their armies, and this is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, for battle and camp between a place in Judah and Saul can countered with a valley close by, okay? I didn't do a lot of study to determine why that's significant, but clearly it was significant because it's in the Bible, but that's not what I'm talking about today. So they were camping close to each other, all right? Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. We all know this story, right? Even non-Christians know the name Goliath. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. Now get this. The dude is over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. 
He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Then what does it say? His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Now why does a guy who's nine feet tall and wears a flak jacket that probably is heavier than most of our wives and a javelin and a huge spearhead, why does he need an armor bearer? Because we all do. Don't think you're tough enough to do it alone. Because guys, we're not. And isn't it interesting that even the world knows that? Goliath's not a Christian. He wasn't a believer in God. But yet he knew that he needed an armor bearer. Guys, you can't do it alone. To be a great dad, to be a great leader, to be great at anything in this world, you're going to need an armor bearer. Jesus is the first, the greatest armor bearer. He will never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we need Jesus with skin on. Sometimes we need a man in our lives that we can see to be our armor bearer. And there's three examples from Scripture that tell us we need that. Well, number two. First of all, you can't do it alone. Secondly, you have to embrace your weakness. No guy likes to admit that he's weak. If you don't think you have any weaknesses, ask your family. I didn't bring my kids up here for this part because they could tell you my weaknesses. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that, but we all have weaknesses. We all struggle. Psalm 51 is a great place to start with this because David is a perfect example of someone who admitted his weakness. Now that little David that we read about who used to play the harp for Saul became king. And after he became king, he had some weaknesses. He slept with another woman. She became pregnant. He lied about it to the prophet Nathan. But then he did something very significant. He embraced his weakness. And not only embraced it, but wrote it down in the annals of history for everyone to read. Nobody in history is going to read my struggles and my weakness. But we're going to read about David's. And in Psalm 51 it says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. And verse 7 says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. And then verses 10 through, or 9 through 12 say, Don't keep looking at my sins Remove the stain of my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing 
to obey you. He embraced his weakness. He wrote it down so that all of history could read about it. And what does history remember about David? Acts chapter 13, verse 22. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. We don't remember the weaknesses of David. We remember his strengths and what God says about him. Guys, we got to embrace our weakness. Ours probably aren't written down for history to read. But everybody knows them. My kids know my weakness. My wife knows my weakness. One of my weaknesses is my anger. When I'm pressured for time or things are thrown into my schedule that upset my plan, I get short. I get cranky. I get irritable. And I snap at people. That's one of my weaknesses. I got to embrace it, I got to admit it, and I got to get better at it. Guys, we all have it. Everyone has weakness. I'm very blessed to have a family that will extend grace to what I call this Jack Pine Savage and still love me in spite of my weakness. All right, number three. Number three, guys, you must leave a legacy with your life. You can't do it alone. You got to embrace your weakness. You must leave a legacy. I talk about this word legacy a lot. It has weight to it. I believe my father left an incredible legacy for me. And what are the things that I need to do now? What are the things that you need to do to leave a legacy in this world as a dad? Obviously, Jesus is a perfect example of a legacy. He gave his life for us so that we could receive eternal life and salvation. We should all strive to be more like Christ and in the way he treated others. But as I was looking in the Bible for examples of someone who is someone I could model my life after, someone who left an impact in their world, someone who left a legacy with their life, I thought of Elijah. Do you remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? Elijah is the mentor, and Elisha was the mentee. And if you read in 2 Kings chapter 2, If you read before this, Elijah and Elisha were walking along one day and they came across numerous people and everyone said, don't you know, Elisha, that your master Elijah is going to leave you today? Somehow the world knew that Elijah was going to be gone. And he kept following. Elisha kept following, kept following, kept following, and Elijah was trying to get rid of him and he wouldn't leave him. And finally they get to this point. Elijah folded his coat together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double 
share of your spirit and become your successor. And Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if you But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. In the end of our lives, Dad, dads, fathers, men of this room, What are they going to write on your epitaph? What will they say about you when you're gone? Will they say anything about you a hundred years from now? Most of us will be long gone and forgotten. Nobody will know anything about your life. Nobody will say anything about you in a hundred years. Maybe even 50 Maybe even 25 years after you pass, there will be nothing left of you unless you desire to leave a legacy. The legacy that we need to leave is to become more like Christ. The way that we treat others, the way that we treat our family, the way we treat our kids, who we are will be seen by the way We act like Christ. Prophet Elijah was so respected that his mentee, Elisha, his protege, the student who wanted to be so much like him that he asked the Lord for a double portion of what Elijah had. What if your family were to ask, I want a double portion of what my father has? What would our world look like? What would Elk River look like? What would Gateway Church look like if we had a bunch of dads walking around so respected by their families that they wanted nothing more than to be like their fathers? We could change the world. You want to know something? Let you in on a little secret. Fathers, your kids will turn out just like you. Your weaknesses will come out in them as much as we don't want that to happen. I see that in my kids. Those traits that I don't like about me show up in my kids. Why can't they take the good traits? It happens. You ever find yourself saying something that your parents told you? And you said, I would never say that to my kids. But yet, we do. Our kids repeat those things that we say. Sometimes we catch ourselves, what did I just do? Dads, what do you want your kids to mimic about you? 
What are you doing to model and teach that to them? What are you doing so that they can get a double portion of Jesus? As I close today, some of you have probably never had a good father figure. Or at least one that you respected. And you don't know what that's like to have a father who loves you, has compassion on you, shares his life with you, challenges you, shares Christ with you. You have a heavenly father who wants to do that. And he's got all the grace in the world. And maybe there's some dads here who struggle with the way you've treated your kids and maybe you haven't been perfect. We all struggle with that. But God is a God of grace and a God of second chances. And I want to challenge you today as you leave here to not do it alone. Don't do fatherhood alone. Get an armor bearer. Leave a legacy with your life. Embrace your weaknesses. Well, I want to pray for the fathers as we close here today. And I want everyone who's a dad to stand up. A lot of great men in this room. You've raised great families, great children. They might not always follow what you want them to do. That doesn't mean we can't be a great dad. We can continue to pray for them. We continue to encourage them. What I want to do today is to bless you. And as families, I want you guys to surround them with that prayer. Reach a hand towards them. Touch them on the side. Pray a prayer blessing on them as they're standing there next to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the fathers that are represented here. The fathers that are outside that are cooking steaks right now, Lord, bless them as well. Lord, I ask that you would just give these men an extra measure of your grace today, Lord. Lord, we know we have weaknesses. We know we have faults. But we know you're a God of grace. Help us to find those armor bearers, Lord, that can surround us and challenge us and encourage us. And those guys that got our backs. Those guys that can help us to do this fatherhood thing. Bless them with children that want to learn from them and grow from them. Lord, give them the blessings of your word. Help them to instill that into their lives. Give them opportunities to invest in their children. Help them to be the the husbands that they need to be to their wives. To show their kids what it means to really love a woman in the proper way. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have just to celebrate dads. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, guys, keep standing. Before you leave, I have a special benediction in the voice of Tom Bishop. Ladies and gentlemen, now exiting the sanctuary of Gateway Church, some of the best fathers in all Elk River. These men are leaders of their families, defenders of their children, and lovers of their wives. But most importantly,
These men are followers of Jesus Christ. These men are challenged today to find an armor bearer. Help them find one. They're challenged to embrace their weaknesses, be gentle in pointing them out. And they are challenged to live out the legacy God has ordained for their lives. Walk beside them as they do it. And they have now been commissioned to go eat steak bites. Let's cheer as they go.